0: Hey everybody, I am really excited today. Of course, I'm Kate Dillon from Crate Insider, Winning Motorsports Marketing and the Racing Insiders Podcast, and I'm here today with Megan Meyer. And Megan, she is the 2019 Top Alcohol Dragster World Champion. That was a huge win. You're a three-time regional points champion, four-time driver of the year, fastest female driver, and the winningest female driver. So I have to ask you, the fastest female driver, how fast have you gone my top speed is 285 miles per hour
1: and i am just like a few tenths off from the fastest male so we've both gone 285 i just need to whenever racing does start back up this year just get a little bit more on him next
0: time Wow, that is fantastic. And, you know, you've also been featured in Drag Illustrated and you have, um, this is pretty impressive, you have 31,000 followers on Instagram. That's huge in, in racing, I would say. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't know off the top of my head like
1: for the whole drag racing world like what the average um follower count is. I should probably know that. But um I know that I am one of the the most followed by um drivers even though I am not a professional driver. So it's pretty cool to be able to to have that um online and I believe total across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, I have about 80,000. So it's pretty big and I'm so proud of it. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, and I, Eve, have you been doing this for a long time or were you able to make a big jump really fast? I have been doing it for a long time. So I just
1: got started with the social media, the marketing side of it for our race team, like treating it as a business back when I was in college. So I went to school to study graphic design. I actually started out in marketing and hated it. So I switched to graphic design and that's where um, for like our homework, we had to make a Facebook page and make a blog and make a Twitter and YouTube and all this stuff. And so that's where I learned about how to use this for the marketing side. And I just, I loved it because you could just create so much much different stuff. And this was around the same time that, um, like Facebook started making groups and and pages and all the stuff. And right when Instagram first came out. And so I was just kind of, you know, seeing what worked, treating it as I go. And um, it was really cool to see like, oh, people really liked this GoPro on car video. I should post more of that. And so that's what I've been doing. So now I I record every single run that I do, post it on Instagram and Facebook and put it all together to post it on YouTube. And it's just, um, it's just so cool to see like what people like and and to show people what it's like to, to drive a dragster and go to 85 miles per hour because not everybody gets to do that. And so yeah, I just, I'm giving my little piece of my, experience to the world.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's so exciting because I do have to tell you, back in 2013 at the Four Wide Nationals, they a- afterwards the Doug Foley driving experience was was doing something. And so I signed up and I did get to drive a dragster down Z Max. Yes. yes, now I was probably only going 140 miles an hour in the lawnmower motor. But for me it was so phenomenally fun. I just had a blast. It really did. Yes. Yeah, that's so, so cool.
1: And that's um, kind of, I also got started with a uh, Frank Holly school. So um, I got started back when I was 10 years old and I was driving what's called a junior dragster, which is for kids. But as soon as you turn 18, you age out of that group. And then you just have to decide what class you want to race um, from there, depending on what type of car you race. And so we went to Frank Holly's drag racing school and it was the course in uh, Gainesville, Florida. And so we had bought a super comp dragster and took it down there so... So that it's this exact same car that they race in the class but we were just like well if i'm going to race and, and have my own car i might as well license and, and practice in in my car so we took that down there and um i got my super comp license at frank holly school and that was um man i think that was back in 2010 it feels like so long ago <laughs> <laughs>
0: How exciting. Well, and of course why we're here today is because you have taken all of this marketing experience and building up on social media and with all of this downtime with the coronavirus, you've put it together and you've created something that other racers can now learn from you in order to learn how to do social media. So tell us a little bit about your Driven by Social uh, course. Yes. So this was something that I have been wanting to do for
1: years. I've just never had the time to do it. So thank you to coronavirus for giving me the time to actually (laughs) check stuff off on my to-do list. So what it is, it's um, a course that's through Teachable and um, you just enroll online. You can enroll through my website. And once you're inside, you get access to all of the modules, all the videos, the bonuses, spreadsheets, hashtags, all of this stuff. And um, once you're in, you just, I want to make a note of this. It's just a one-time payment fee once you're in you're in for life because I've had gotten a few questions from people asking me, well, when enrollment closes, do I still get access to it? And if you're in, then yes, you have it for the rest of your life and you automatically get any of the updates that I add to it. So it's, um, it's split up into eight different modules and each module has a couple different videos, anywhere from two to five, I think. And there are three bonuses that's in there. There's a 41 page workbook that's interactive. And then we also have a print version that comes with it. And, um, and yeah, it's just, it's videos. Um, and then I'm voice over on the video. So that way I'm walking you through how I use my social media to promote my race team.
0: Well, I was just kind of looking around my office because I know I have the entire workbook all printed out. I I thought it was very, very well put together. So anybody who doesn't know, I run four websites and 17 social media profiles or, you know, between, uh, what is it, like six... I don't know, five on Facebook and two Instagram accounts and, you know, it's just across the board, you know, and I, I know I deal with a lot of racers because I teach some of this as well. And one of the biggest struggles happens around, you know, what should I even post on social media? I see a lot of racers that will only post like if they're racing and of course we're in a tough time right now. So talk to us a little bit about how you've, how you've addressed that whole content creation piece. Yeah, so... Um,
1: that's another reason why I wanted to get this course done um, as soon as I could so that way I could be out there to help racers. And so that's the biggest struggle that we have right now is we're not racing. So what do we talk about? And um, I've been posting a lot of different lifestyle stuff on my page recently just because that's what I'm currently doing, and so I want it to be relevant and relatable to my audience. But also they still keep asking me when are you gonna race again? When are you gonna race again? And so um, I try to you know stay on top Top of that, but I want to show who I am outside of the race car at the same time, because it is my personal brand. It's just not all about racing. This is me. And so um, I'll just go through with you my different types of photo topics that I do. And if you are inside the course, you know exactly what we're talking about. And this is something um, that we learned, that uh, Kate and I learned through the social curator, which is how we had met. So um, so for my photo topics, I have, um, and I recommend between 7 to 12. So for me, my first one is stand, is me standing next to my car. So photos of me with the race car perform a lot better than photos of just the race car because it has that human element and people, are, um, you know, can be more relatable to it. And so I, I always like to post photos of me standing next to the race car somewhere, whether it's by the roll cage, by the motor the front back whatever and um, those are really my best performing um, photos I also do uh, product promotions so these are where my sponsors come in so uh, like the other day I just did one on our reigning my racing team page and it was uh, me installing spark plugs in my dad's 71 Ford Bronco that we have and um, so just doing something a little bit different outside of the race car but still using the product and promoting it and then also I have um, just pictures of me with my my family, my friends, my fiance, just stuff like that. You know, um, I don't do a whole lot of those because um, you know I still want it to be very professional. But if it is something that's very relatable to one of my content pillars, I will post about that. And um, also my hobbies that I have outside, which are hunting, fishing, um, hiking, anything that's outdoors, I absolutely love, and that's something that puts me on another level with my audience because they're the hunters, the fishers, you know, they're also the big race fans. So if I can post a picture of me, you know, with a fish in my hand, they are going to absolutely love it because they also love fishing. And so it's just, you know, we have similar interests outside of racing. So I want to touch on those topics as well, because we both love fishing, both love hunting, hiking, camping, all that type of stuff. Why not share it with them so that way you can get more personal with them?
0: Um, you know, and with that, I mean, I noticed, it, noticed that one of your sponsors is Mammoth Coolers. So on one hand, you've got, you know, from one picture, you might be hunting or have your bow in your hand. And then in another one, you're you know, like in shorts or something, you know, you're clearly in your outdoor gear. So you're not like one of the flouncy Instagram models, you know, you're out there in your actual outdoor clothes with your mammoth cooler. And it doesn't even seem out of place. And it's not even until you read the caption that you realize, oh, wow, this is a sponsored post. You know, this is part of not only Megan's brand, but it's also her, her sponsor as well. And you're representing, I noticed that. And I thought, wow, that was, that was really, uh, it was really neat. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well,
1: thank you. And um, when I am like taking photos and doing stuff like that, I try to keep it as professional, um, PG 13, stuff like that. You know, I don't want to really put anything out there that I'm going to regret later on down the road, because as you know, if something's on the internet is on there forever, even if you try to <laughs> delete it, someone is still going to find it. So I always want to be very professional with my photos and my social media. And, um, so with that, so I just, again, going back to the lifestyle, um, I, I like to, you know a lot of my photos they are posed to me you know holding the cooler or something like that but it's we're actually using this cooler to catch fish or to use it on a picnic and stuff like that like i'm not just going out and just taking photos just post on instagram it's hey this is you know beautiful woods behind me or, or lake or whatever you know why don't i just snap a pic right here really quick while we're still using this product and it's a good um you know just a good promo shot so I like to keep it as real as possible um you know and you can definitely tell when it's like a studio or like a professional picture versus one that I've just taken with my phone and it does seem like the ones that are taken with my phone even if it's just like a selfie they perform a lot better than the very expensive um high quality like photographer um professional photographer photos that we have so um which I do need those for racing for like hero car Cards, business cards, stuff like that for my headshots. But when I post that type of photo on social media, it just sometimes it flops. And so it's just really interesting to see how that is with my audience, how they like the lifestyle more than the, um, the professional photos. So, Well,
0: and it is more real. And I know something that I talked to, to my audience about a lot is that a brand is like really who you are. It's about allowing your fans to connect with you, not that people connect with people. People don't connect with objects, and like you mentioned, the pictures, when you take a picture of your car, you take it with you next to it, and that makes a big difference because people connect with people, and I would extend that as well because I think it's fun to talk about our relationship really quick because you and I met in, we, we both, as, as Megan mentioned, we're both members of a group called Social Curator. And it's uh, somebody we both follow, and there's this Facebook group, and I thought I was the only one. I've been in there since like, since day one. So this was like two and a half years ago, and it was like last fall that Megan posted in there, and I thought I was literally the only person in there that had anything to do with racing, and and she pops in there and so says something about what she's doing in racing, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in racing too. So we we get onto the private messages and start talking, and turns out she's coming to Charlotte. For to go to Zmax, and I'm like, well, hey, I want to come down and interview you, so you can see on the YouTube channel. I've interviewed Megan before, and now it's been since you know whatever it was, September, October of last year. And with your Instagram, I can follow your Instagram, and you're telling the little tidbits of your life, and like I know that you're getting married, and it's not like I'm creepy stalker or or anything like that. It's just I actually feel like I've gotten to know you better, even though we don't necessarily talk every day. And I would say that your fans are probably feeling the same way. And what advice would you give to racers who, you know, how, how do you switch out of that, I am just a race car driver robot, into, okay, I'd have to realize I'm somebody's hero out there? So, what, what are those first steps to start sharing pieces of your life?
1: Great question, Kate. My first step is just to be authentic. Be yourself, be real. Don't be that race car robot driver. And that's what's really. Um, skyrocketed my my following is because I'm just I'm real on myself I show up on Instagram stories almost every day um, even if it's just for like a minute and um, just tell them like hey this is what's going on and even so whenever um, racing got put canceled or got put on hold we were at a racetrack in Florida and we were getting the cars teched in like ready to go they were running cars down the track and this was on a Thursday afternoon and they over the announcement they said hey the <laughs> cat We have to stop this race. We have no idea when we will get to race, but you guys have to go home right now. And so we packed up, left the next day. Well, one of our crew guys, he lives in Houston. And so that was where our next scheduled race was going to be in Houston. So he drove the rig to his house and then my dad and I flew home to Kansas. Well, then because of the coronavirus, he was not able to leave. Like He couldn't even get on the interstate. A a policeman stopped him and said, hey, you need to turn around and go back home. And so we did not have a race car for about a month they are home now and um, we do have a race coming up in a couple weeks so we're hoping that that one um, still stays scheduled that way we can still get racing and get things rolling again but it was like okay we don't have our trailer we don't have our race cars we don't have our our parts our products we don't have anything here except for what's already at the shop so what are we going to do for a month because we had no idea how long it was going to be and so it's um, going back and and doing the things like putting spark plugs in our, in my dad's project truck and, and we changed the oil, changed transmission oil, all that stuff. And it's like, how can you still keep your content relatable to what's going on in the real world with everybody else? How can you keep it authentic and not be posting pictures of racing when people know that you're not racing? And so, um, and the other tip is just to build a community and that's just, you know, this is your little, your little, um, part of the internet so keep it real and build a community with your audience because, you know, without them, you might not have sponsors. So you want to put stuff out there that they like, that they will relate to. That way they can build that know, like, and trust with you to eventually become a customer of your sponsor or of yourself if you are selling like your merchandise or if you sell parts or whatever. And so um, those are the two biggest things. Just being authentic and building a community is the best things you can do on social media.
0: Well, and... Tell me a little bit about the connection that you see between marketing and sponsorship. Me, I normally put them in the same, to me it's almost like one word, marketing and sponsorship. That's how it comes out for me. But I, I feel like there's a big disconnect in racers seeing what happens on social media. And over here they see sponsorship and they like help us a little bit with how you see the connection happening between the two.
1: Yes, yeah, it's a great question again. And so for me, um, we didn't have sp- Uh, social media to use as a marketing tool while I was growing up. I started writing press releases when I was 16 years old, um, running my junior dragster, just emailing them out to our sponsors just so that way they could stay updated with what my sister and I were doing um, with our race cars while my dad was off also racing, doing his stuff with NHRA. And so um, social media is a part of marketing and a part of sponsorships, but it is not all of it, but it is a very big piece that I think a lot of racers miss out out on. And the biggest thing is that social media is free. So why not use it to its biggest advantage? And, um, you know, it's not always about the number of followers that you have, even though that is very important. It's about that community that I mentioned and the quality of your followers over the quantity and being able to get the audience data from sponsors or from social media to take to a sponsor and be like, my audience is males ages um, 35 to 44 who are technicians, who live in the Midwest. And if you can get that just from social media, which you can from your your Instagram or Facebook analytics or your insights, all you need to do is take that to um, a sponsor and whenever you're doing your pitch to them, that's exactly what they need to know. So that way they can be like, oh yeah, this is what we are trying to reach with our marketing budget. So instead of us spending money on a billboard, which we have no idea what type of return on investment that will give us, we can sponsor this race car driver instead. And they can make videos of of our products, they can do photos on social media, they can create content that we can use to to post to um, promote ourselves. And it's just, I feel like, um racers kind of miss out on this part and how how big it is um, for marketing and the sponsorship. And there's just so much that um, you can do with social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, whichever platform you want to focus on. You do not have to do all of them, but just focus on one and use it to its maximum potential. So that way you can get those sponsorships that you need to get the funding to go racing.
0: Oh, that's such a great answer. And it all totally like I know that you and I are pretty much gonna agree on absolutely everything that we think about all of this. <laughs> so, but it's always nice to hear it in different words. And and maybe that message, the way that you put it, can help help someone. I know one thing I hear from racers is, well, but how much time does this take? Or I don't think I have time. How would you address the time question? <laughs> Um, you know,
1: it really has to do with how much time you have right now that you can, um, use to, to contribute to social media. And so, um, in the course, we talk about time management and what your goals are. And I, my first thing is to start small, just do one post a week or you can do a couple posts a week, but be consistent with it and then grow from there till you can get to the point to where you have enough content to post every single day, whether it's video or photos. And um, the biggest thing is just being consistent with your posting schedule. So if you do only want to post three days a week because that's all you have time for, then that's fine. Um, just make sure you, you are doing it consistently. So for me, I post every single day on um, Instagram and Facebook. But I also run the Randy Mire Racing Team page, which is for all of our drivers. We have five drivers on our team, and so we talk about all five of them there. And I only post on there about every other day. And so I only post on Twitter three days a week, and then on YouTube, it's about once a month that I come out with a video. So it's it's not all about posting every single day. It's about being consistent. And um, that's something that we talk about in the course. And, and so I just... Um, I think that's the biggest thing. So your audience is expecting you to post and they know when you're going to post or if you're going to go on Instagram stories, Um, you know, they know like around six o'clock p.m. I might post on Instagram stories. So they're going to be there watching for it and waiting for it and Because I'm consistently posting at 6 o'clock p.m. every single day because that's when I get off work and I come home and and I get on my phone for a little bit. So um, that's just the biggest thing. Just figure out what you actually have time for what you can use to use on social media and then, um, work that into your schedule. I use Google, um, Google calendars for my planner because I have the Google pixel phone. And so it's, it's really nice because everything in my schedule is automatically on my phone and I can edit on the computer or my phone. It's all there all the time. And so I, I have reminders in my phone. Oh, don't forget to post today. Don't forget to post on your stories. Don't forget to respond to your DMS, comments, emails, all that type of stuff. And so, um, yeah, just whatever you you can do, but do it consistently. Even if it's just 30 minutes a day, that's so much time that you can use to get done instead of just scrolling on Instagram or Facebook, using it for your actually your business to respond to comments on your posts to your audience or to start following new people or finding new hashtags. Just use it to your advantage what you can.
0: Oh, I'll tell you, I absolutely love the bonus in your program with the 50 hashtags. I absolutely loved that. There's several of those that that we'll be using here. But I, I know when, when it comes to this like time management strategy, something that you and I both do is we're both batch producers of content. So I, don't, I know I don't stop my day every single day to go, okay, um, it's 11 o'clock, so I'm going to spend the next 45 minutes creating content. No, I might like shoot um, probably after this, I've sometime this afternoon, I've got like two video ideas. So I'll probably shoot them both. And those will be like content for next week. I'm pretty, I know that you batch content as well. Yes,
1: I love that. And that's been such a huge time saver hack for for me. And so what I do in, in the, in the e-course, I actually have a, a video where I show you how I post um, from desktop onto Facebook and Instagram using the Facebook Creator Studio. And so um, in the course, I tell people, "Is like, hey, if you are at the racetrack, take enough pictures to use for that weekend, but also take enough that you can use for the next weekend or whenever. For, so that way, when you're in a pinch and you don't have time, you can go back to your gallery and find something that's relevant that you can post about at that time. And um, I want to be honest, I have not actually gone and posted on Instagram and Facebook, um, like in real time in a long time because I just use the Creator Studio to do it all for me. And I actually schedule my post out so about once a week, I go through and I plan out, I write out all my captions in a Word document, and I have all my photos ready to go. I edit them in Lightroom and Photoshop, and so I will. Post or I will schedule them on Facebook and Instagram and to go, you know, this one's going to be on Monday at this time. This one's going to be Tuesday at this time. And I also like to stagger them so I'm not posting the exact same thing from Facebook to Instagram because um, if someone, you know, if they're platform hopping and they, they see it. So for me, my audience is on Facebook earlier than on Instagram. So if I'm posting it on Instagram late at night and directly sending it to Facebook, say at like eight o'clock, well, my audience on Facebook at between 3 to 6 p.m. during the day. So if I post it at 8 o'clock, no one's going to see it. And so I like to, to stagger it at different times, different days, stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, just content batching is such a huge time saver. And um, I've been hearing about it for years, and I never really actually put it into place until last year, I think. And, yeah, it's saved me so much time. I don't have to wake up each day wondering, oh, my gosh, what am I going to post on Instagram today?
0: Yeah, that's a game changer. And I have to say, I learned this from you. I knew about, I've been using creator studio for a while to post on Facebook and I've been scheduling Facebook posts for years. I mean like years before creator studio existed. And I knew I'd kind of made the switch from doing an app that did auto posting, which would be Planoli, and making that switch over to creator studio. Cause the whole grid thing isn't as big of a thing today as it was a year or two ago. Um, but we do a lot more. I do a lot more video than I do of anything else. I learned it from you that I could schedule my IGTV videos. (laughs) So I didn't, I didn't actually know that I could schedule the IGTVs. We were doing those every single day. So that was, that was a a little bit crazy. So that's been a huge time saver. So thank you for that. You know, no matter where you learn anything, you can always pick up a new tip here or there. I found that really helpful.
1: Well, thank you. I'm so glad I could help you out. And (laughs) unfortunately, they only for the app, the Facebook Creator Studio app, they only have it for Facebook. They don't have it for Instagram. So you'd have to do that on the desktop to do it. And um, I just love that it's free because I've used a lot of different ones that you have to pay for, um, like Planoly and Plan, and it's, you know, if you want it on your phone, it's free, but if you want it on your desktop, it'll cost, and so I love that one because it's it's free for both. Um, unfortunately, they just don't have it on your phone for Instagram yet, but I think they should be coming out with that pretty soon, so.
0: oh. Yeah. That's yeah. That's cool because it is nice to see how it's going to look, uh, which you just can't see. And even plan only with IGTV, you could no longer see what your grid was going to look like. Although, as we've all discovered, if you're going to have IGTV videos show up in your grid, it's it it's. Uh, it, your feed itself doesn't matter quite as much as the nine, the, the top nine yes. that are in on there, which I'm kind of glad of. I was a little intimidated by that, uh, So to be honest. So I'm really glad about that piece of it anyway. I know I have another question. Oh, so I have a question for you. We're going to compare notes here for a second because there's What's most effective, and what are our favorite places? So, I would love to know out of all of the social medias that are, you know, the different accounts, which platform is your personal favorite where you like to hang out?
1: My favorite is Instagram, and I want to be honest, I actually have two different personal accounts on Instagram. So I have the one that I use every single day, my Megan Meyer Racing account, but I also created a second one, and I just keep it private, so I don't want anybody to follow me on there, but I just use it to follow, like, uh other designers interior designers um just stuff like that i use it like as pinterest but it's on instagram and so um so i made a separate account for that type of stuff because um that, that type of um, content doesn't really go at all with what I am posting on my feed and what I'm seeing on my timeline. And so I just, I wanted to keep it separate so that way it's easier instead of me following like three diff- 3,000 different people. Um, I just, you know, split it up so that way it's easier for me. But Instagram is my favorite.
0: <laughs> So for me it's Facebook would be where I hang out but I, that's probably an age demographic thing because I'm a little older than you so it, that uh, Facebook's been around a lot longer and I kind of got it right away so so there's that but now which of them do you find is the most effective for uh, whether it's for connecting with your audience like where is your biggest audience but where do you get the most engagement so maybe biggest, two things.
1: Uh, yeah, my biggest audience is on Instagram. So Instagram, I have 31,000. On Facebook, I'm at 25, almost 26,000. So it's just a little bit less on Facebook, but I do notice the demographics are different between um, gender and ages on each of my older, um, and more males follow me on Facebook than they do on Instagram. But I have noticed that when it comes to um, like sales, so like whenever I'm selling um, my merchandise like a t-shirt or a hat, I make more sales through Facebook because I can sell directly on my Facebook page or I can have the link in the post that takes them directly to my website to go and buy the product. So um, that's something that I don't really have a whole lot of success with on Instagram because Instagram, you just either put the link in your bio or put it in your Instagram stories for them to swipe up. But um, the. amount of views that I have compared to amount of followers is not very much at all. So um, Instagram has the most, the biggest following for me, but Facebook would be um, the better ROI for me.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. And I have kind of two different, totally different deals. So Crate Insider, of course, has like 20,000 Facebook followers and like 2,500 Instagram. But we also work at Facebook a lot more. We do a lot of Facebook Lives and things like that. But I can see um, one of the things in your course, you talk about web analytics. So you can take a look at your website and see where your traffic is coming from. And so my my biggest traffic source is organic search. But when it comes to the social profiles, Facebook is buying. far my biggest driver of getting people from a social media platform onto my website and then of course YouTube is important too yes and are you finding that too as far as the analytics go that the the traffic that you're getting to your website is coming from a, a larger part from the Facebook Not just selling, but just in general, like you take people to a blog post or something.
1: Yes, yeah. So I do share my blog posts um, from my website onto Facebook, where I don't really do that on Instagram because I noticed that when I do post that on Instagram, even if it's um, like a different picture but with the same caption, they still don't do very well. And so the biggest thing for me for Instagram is just to take pieces of the blog post and actually use that as the caption instead of trying to get people to leave the app to go to my website. Um, but yeah, with Facebook, it is so much easier to get them to just click on the link and read the entire thing.
0: Well, another big question I would have, you know, talking about that marketing and sponsorship and how these things are connected together, you have a major sponsor. You, I'm sure you have several other sponsors, you know, like we talked about Mammoth Coolers, but you're an NGK Plugs sponsored driver and with as big as that is sl- slathered on your car i have a feeling that's a lot more than just a free set of spark plugs so so how did you land such a big you know a a big prominent sponsor like that and what did your social media have to do with that yeah it's a great question
1: so i've been um a, ngk spark plug has been my title sponsor for 3 years now and um i don't want to like Humble brag or like toot my own horn, but I was the first driver that they actually sponsored with funding. And so before three years ago, um, ngk spark plug they they do sponsor a lot of drag racers but it was just product only so you get you know however many spark plugs you need like for us we run about 5,000 spark plugs in a year so we got it for free which saves us a lot of money but um, you know at the same time we didn't have that extra funding coming in that we needed to keep racing to buy other parts and tires and stuff like that so three years ago or actually four years ago we had sat down with ngK they um, had actually brought on a lot lot of females onto their marketing team, which in return helped us in the end. And so we were able to first build a relationship with them, with the new people that are in their marketing team. And then they also um, had just transferred ones from other departments into marketing. So we had already knew them. So we had a good um, relationship with them. And then whenever like they would come to the races or we'd see them at like PRI show or SEMA show, we would make sure to stop at the roof, spend some time there, just keep building that relationship, but not ask for anything in return. And that's um, kind of where whenever they had to make the decision of how do they want to split up their marketing budget? Do they want to just keep only doing product sponsorships or do they want to try to get in this new world get more exposure doing a, uh, an actual monetary sponsorship? And so whenever they made that decision, we were kind of top of mind because we were really good friends with them. And we, you know, we didn't want to push anything in the beginning, but we were kind of, you know, hoping that they would get in that direction, get in that mindset. And so once they were there and they're taking pitches and proposals and stuff like that, um, you know, I've been building sponsorship proposals for years and I've just kind of made it up as I go, like similar how I did with my social media. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I just feel like, okay, well, this works, this doesn't so i'll do more of this thing and so um exact same thing with how i've figured out how to write sponsorship proposals um and so whenever we met with them it was over dinner and stuff like that it's very just laid back relaxing and one of the things that they had said is they wanted more exposure and so then that's where we pitched to them well we have um we have two different social media accounts between Megan Meyer racing and Randy Meyer racing. And then plus our other drivers have their own social media pages. And so we can gather all this together and get you this much exposure online be, during races and between races and during the off season. And so that was one of the biggest things that really helped us get that sponsorship um, going into gear to later on be signed up to be a title sponsor with them. So social media is huge for sponsorships. And again, it goes back to that audience data. They want to know who you are talking to, who's in your community online. So that way they know it's it's actually the, the technicians that they want to to um, talk to that will buy their products and use it in the cars. And so um,
0: without that, I don't think we would have been able to secure that sponsorship. Well, and I did notice, I took a quick look at Instagram and I see that they, NGK has about 13,000 followers on Instagram, whereas you have 31 thousand followers so clearly you know that you are. you can do something something i tell a lot of drivers is what is it you can do for the sponsor that they can't do for themselves and in your case you are reaching a whole lot more people than they're able to reach directly and and so it's i can see where it's a direct um you know, it's it's a direct pass-through. It's a definite yes for what you can do there. And in user-generated content, let's talk about that for just a second because something that's, um, I mean, I'm... I'm all the different sides of the fence because I am a retailer. So I understand that, you know, let's say NGK says, you know, hey, buy our spark plugs, they're the best. Or me as Crate Insider being a retailer, I say, hey, buy NGK spark plugs, they're the best, which by the way, they are, and that's what I sell. So just saying. But it's a whole different deal for a racer to come forward and say, hey, you know what? I could choose any spark plugs I want. And the spark plugs I'm going to use are going to be the NGKs. This is what I choose. I win. And this, this is the product that I choose. Nothing is in my car by accident. So your average viewer that's looking at that. Yeah. You're going to hear the manufacturer and it's like, yeah, you have a motive as a retailer. Yeah. Clearly I have a motive, but You're a racer. You're not even selling it to them directly. So, But the fact that you don't have a motive, I mean, obviously you want to help your sponsor, but your motive is a lot different than the manufacturer or the retailer. So that user-generated content, and I think that's a piece that racers, when they're going to a potential sponsor, I think racing is a little bit different than a lot of other industries you know you having been in graphic design and dealing with marketing and seeing other industries i see racing we've got a little bit of catching up to do which is a huge opportunity for racers in my opinion because we can see this whole oh wow there's this user generated content and i can bring this to a manufacturer or a retailer and present this to them and they could get excited about it um i would love your thoughts on that
1: yeah for sure and so one of the things is like being a brand ambassador and so we've actually done like Instagram or Facebook takeovers where I'll log in to the NGK Sparkplugs account on weekends and I will just post all over their profile on their stories and on their profile um, photos and videos of the entire race weekend and you can see that they've saved some of those in their highlights if you want to go back and look at it so that's like you know they would have never been able to have content like that if they didn't have um, a brand ambassador to do that for them and to make that user generated content so that's that was part of our um, our uh, our deal with NGK and um, you know other sponsors or other companies have seen that and kind of you know added that into their packages of what they require from a team now. And I think that's huge, but I do agree with you that we're kind of behind the eight ball on this. And I get a lot of my ideas from outside of the racing industry. So like I do follow a lot of like hunters on Instagram and Facebook, um, people in like fishing world. Like I said, I do have like another account where I follow designers and stuff. So I get a lot of inspiration and creativity from those industries. And then think, how can I put my own twist on this to bring back to the drag racing world and um, use it in a different way to promote sponsors to to help them get more exposure online and then um, yeah I mean it's just it's huge especially the user generated content um, you know if like for them with NGK they don't really have a whole lot to post about other than their spark plug in a million different ways <laughs> and so f- for them to get their drivers to make up the content so like right now what they're doing um, during virus is they asked each of their drivers to, to answer three questions, which is, what was your first, your first race car? Who is your racing hero? And then um, what spark plug do you use and why? Very simple, takes like two minutes to record a video. But, you know, if they didn't have these drivers to make that content for them, it's like, I don't know what they would be posting about right now. So...
0: Well, I'm going to go ahead and take a moment and plug the challenge that I've got going on too, which is very in line with this. So Daytona One, they make a lot of lubricants, um, which I just happen to have sitting on my desk. I w- didn't even plan this, but I have a we have a challenge going on right now where if a racer makes a video with any one of the Daytona One products, that they and mm-hmm. then they post it and then go and sign up. It's crateinsider.com forward slash D one challenge, but they can go there and say, here's my name, you know, and, and here's, um, the product I did a video about, and here's a link to the video, then they're, we're sending out a prize pack to every single driver who just participates. Um, so it's pretty cool. And the prize pack has a few different products in it, some wax and some some cleaners and spray lube. And it's a really a great opportunity. And I think it's a great little opportunity to show what you can do to a potential future sponsor would be my, my guess. Um, but it'd be a, a huge opportunity. So I would love to know what advice would you have for someone who doesn't even have their first sponsor and is kind of in that, what should I do next or what should I do first? If that's where they're at right now, uh, obviously Go and sign up for Megan's course, driven by social, and we'll make sure we've got a link. But what is the link to that? Is it uh, Megan Meyer? Well, it's right there on your homepage. So it's Megan Meyer dot uh, Megan Meyer Racing. Megan Meyer dot Racing. Oh, what a cool instead of a dot com, a dot racing. That's awesome.
1: Yes. Yeah. So the URL to the course, um, is Megan dot racing forward slash driven by social course. And so, so yeah, so my website, I do have Megan, racing.com, but my main domain name is Megan racing, which is the exact handle that I have for Instagram and Facebook. So I wanted something that would be consistent across all platforms. So it's super easy and creative. And I love that you can do that now with your websites. Um, but as far as advice for a first racer, I love this question. And it's kind of, um, depends there's so many different levels so it's um so like in drag racing you start out bracket racing and so if, if you're in the situation to where you are bracket racing just as a hobby right now and you want to get into more of the of the professional leagues in the NHRA side of that and follow the tour and everything then you definitely need funding because it is very expensive to travel to all those races entry fees parts everything so the biggest thing for you to get funding is to first figure out if there's any local companies that you can work with and um, that are around your local track or your local town if you don't live by a track. And that's one of the first things that we did when we started on the sponsorship hunt is we would just go and look at, um, okay, so say I'm traveling to Charlotte What's a store that's in Charlotte that I I know like and trust them? I know their products, I use them, I'm very familiar with them, and I can give them a rave uh, review about it. But how can I also help promote them so that way in return they can? Sponsor me for this weekend and a race that's in their town. And so that's um, kind of what we do right now, working with Menards. As we grew, we just started out working with uh, grocery stores, our local grocery stores. And we'd like, whenever we go to Oklahoma, we find a different grocery store, work with them, and same thing for Texas. And now we're working with Menards, which is one of the biggest retail stores out there. And it's this exact same formula. And so um, in the course, I talk about um, under exposure in module. Um, I believe that's number seven. And um, under exposure, I talk about how can you reach out to a a local retail store? It does not have to be a grocery store, but that was just what worked for us because it was very easy. Um, Find a retail store and how can you promote one of their products and whether they're having a special deal on something or if it's a new product and they want to increase sales, whatever it is, talk to the store manager and figure out what what's the product that they want to sponsor or that they want to promote for a couple days or for a week, whatever, and then be like, Hey, I can bring my race car to your store and we can do um, a couple of hours of a promo. So that way people can, you know, be attracted by the race car and drive traffic into your store and have the products right there, like on the end cap or right when they walk into the doors. So that way they grab whatever the product is and, and then purchase it, add it to their cart, and then purchase it when they walk out of the store. That has been one of the biggest things that we have done to help us um, with sponsorships. Um, Just having that immediate sale, and then that way they can look you know, between this time and this time, while you were there, we made this amount of sales for this product and, you know, grew it by 100 or 200% or whatever it is. You know, that's immediate return on investment for them. And so they'll be like, hey, next time you're in town, please stop by. And then also, can you invite the local media out there to come and, and uh, film it or if it's radio, whatever it is, invite them out there to promote it. So that way it's giving them content to use for their channels. You're promoting yourself and you're promoting the store and the product. It's just a win-win-win situation for all. And that is, um, that's is—that's what I would suggest start off there because um, it's very oft- very often that they say yes to that type of situation.
0: Well, and I absolutely love that for so many reasons, the win, win, win. And, and I, a lot of times I hear the question like, well, I live here, but I race here. You know, I I don't know those companies and blah, you know, all of the I hear lots of excuses and I'm sure you've heard lots of excuses as well for, for people who don't have sponsors, but I, that is such a great formula. And the the point is you don't always have to be at the track in order to service your sponsors, that there are other ways to do it. So, um, I love that suggestion and it was a whole visual of what could happen there. So thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for that, Megan. Well, great. I know we're wrapping up. I've taken so much of your time and I want to thank you so much for coming on here today. Uh, Obviously, we're going to have this video in lots of places in the podcast, and you're driven by social program. I believe that now the cart's open now, and it's going to close uh, later on this weekend, I believe. So tell people how they can sign up and how long this is going to last for um, to be able to sign up for.
1: Well, thank you, Kate. Um, again, the URL to sign up is racing forward slash driven by social course. And there it explains all the different modules, the different bonuses that you get, um, everything. And then from there, you can go on to purchase it. So CART does close this weekend on Sunday, May 10th, which is Mother's Day. And so you just have a couple of days left to enroll if you would like to get in. It's The, the course is at 50% off discount right now um, because I know people are, are struggling with funding, whether you're not getting sponsorship, Money coming in, or um, you know, income, whatever it is. So it is 50% off right now for everybody. You don't need a special code to get into it. And um, once enrollment closes, it won't open back up again until this fall. I don't know exactly when because, according to how the race schedule is right now, from basically from August to November, we're gonna be full on racing every single weekend. So. I might open it back up this summer, like in June or July, whenever we're not racing yet. Um, I just don't know how how much I can handle racing all the time. And then I'm also going over this course. So um, get it now while you can. Again, it's a one-time fee. Once you're in, you're in for life. So you can go ahead and purchase it right now if you would like to, and then wait a couple months or weeks or whatever and watch it later on down the road. I know that I have done that before with other courses that I have been in. And so... um, so yeah, so it's it's very easy to get in. And um, Kate, can you give me a little info about like what you have loved or what you've seen in the course that's really stuck out for you?
0: Gosh, I mean, I thought the hashtags, the scheduling, um, I, I really love what you've put together with the content calendar. I do things just a slightly differently, but still the conceptually, you and I are completely on the same page with that. And I, and I love how you've been able to help people with the planning and you really filled a gap there um, that I see a lot of racers struggle with. So that was, um, that was probably my, my favorite part. Um, I feel like you did a really good job all across the board. Um, uh, cause I, t- you know, I teach this stuff too. So you did a really good comprehensive, um, fantastic course fantastic course. I would highly recommend it. You know, whether somebody wants your course or my course, we're all in this together. Oh my God, I hate that phrase now. They ruined it. (laughs) Coronavirus ruined that phrase for me. (laughs) But but yeah, so I I love lots of different things and I love the whole thing and it's very cohesive. The the workbook is incredibly helpful for discovery and i love your beautiful graphics and your voiceover i mean just the quality of it is uh, i've had some really great courses and i've had some crappy courses and yours is very high quality beautiful visuals and it's very inspiring while also being tactical at the same time so just fantastic job overall Thank you very much. You're so sweet. Well, and thank you for so much for meeting with me today. And I, I really look forward to seeing some of the other feedback from some of the other students in your course. And, you know, of course, I wanted to see you here in May in Charlotte, but it looks like it's going to be the fall. And I uh, definitely look forward to seeing you in person again real soon here, too. <laughs>
1: Yes. And we were looking forward to that spring race in Charlotte so much because we had this whole um, new wrap that we were debuting on the car and and uniforms and merchandise. We had all this stuff ready to go for the four wides at Z-Max and it didn't happen. So um, as soon as we can get out to a racetrack, we will debut that, that new look that we have for 2020. And um, I absolutely cannot wait to return to Charlotte in the fall. It is my favorite track that I race at. It is the nicest facility that we get to race at. And we always just do very successful there. And that's where I clinched the 2019 championship was in Charlotte. So I can't wait to get there. And I think this year will be the first time that we will actually get to race four wide. And so I'm very excited to go. And my sister is coming with me this time. She's
0: never been there before. So I'm so excited to return to Charlotte. Fantastic! We're going to have a good time. So, well, thanks so much and good luck in this, in this rough time that this downtime that we all have. And, you know, good luck to you at your first race. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Kay. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Racing Insiders podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Check out the show notes and past episodes at www.racinginsiderspodcast.com. Again, that's www.racinginsiderspodcast.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes.